0: For those of you guys that are new, I am Pastor Chris. I'm our campus pastor here at Destiny. Our lead pastor, Pastor Lawrence, is actually out ministering in England this week. Um, So he has been there for the last week and a half, uh, two weeks, and has done just a gauntlet of ministry there. So please continue to pray for them. They've seen some incredible things happening in their services, uh, in the sessions and things that they've done, uh, part of the conferences that they're doing in England. So excited to have him back next week, but I'm excited to speak to you guys this morning. So as we get started, if you would go ahead and pass your books, uh, get signed in, note cards there if you would like. Uh, For those of you guys who are taking notes, and I hope all of you are, this isn't a pitch because I'm speaking. Uh, This is simply what I believe to be a fundamental truth uh, for me personally. But the reason, how many of you want to hear God speak? Right? Then be prepared. It's that simple. Uh, and that's something someone spoke in me a long time ago, and for me, every time I hear someone speak, I want to be able to write down. It's not that I'm going to write every word that they say, but anything that jumps out that the Spirit of God just hits me with or something that sticks out, I want to write that down so I can go back and reflect on it later. So I encourage all of you, take notes on something, that way you can go back and reflect on the things that God's deposited during a service and you don't forget them later. So, that's enough of my promotional material. Let's go. Let's um, go. I'm going to be breaking down a portion of Scripture for you today. If you're taking notes, uh, my title is The Beauty of Obedience. How many of you realize obedience is not a term we like a lot in our culture? Well, let's just be honest, right? We love it when we're talking to our kids, but not so much when we're talking to ourselves. Okay? We like to use different words like faithfulness to make it sound nicer. Like I'm being faithful. I don't, I'm not obedient. I'm faithful. Right? Now, it, it, it's... Very similar, okay? We need to obey the voice of God in our life, and I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to look at Acts uh, chapter 9, uh, and we're going to jump through here a little bit, but we're going to start with verse 1, go through verse 20. Um, side note, I know sometimes I've been at places where they're like, hey, we're going to read a big portion of Scripture. I apologize. We don't. We believe in the Bible. We're going to read Scripture, and we're going to be excited about it because that's the truth of the Word of God. Uh, so I want to break this down for us for just a minute. Verse 1 says, now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, and he asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened when he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though he was, his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by hand, they brought him into Damascus. I love this. And he was three days without sight or ate or drink. Pause for a second. How many of you guys, if you had an encounter with God and then all of a sudden you didn't eat, drink, or see for three days, that would be memorable, right? Like I would remember that, okay? Uh, It says, going on, verse 10, it says, now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. Everybody say Ananias. That name's important. We're going to talk about it a lot this morning. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, here am I, Lord. And the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight." and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying, and he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias. Come and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard of this man and how much harm he did to your saints in Jerusalem. Pause. Anyone ever been, felt like God spoke for you to do something that you were afraid to do? Let's talk real life for a minute. Everything God asks us to do isn't always simple. It's not always easy. A lot of times it's terrifying. Could you imagine being the one who God speaks to you, hey, go talk to this guy. You're like, whoa, 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 this guy kills Christians. Like, he's on a mission to kill them now, and you want me to go find him? Like, yeah. So he goes on. The next few verses are this argument between him and God. Not argument, but discussion. Uh, Verse 17, so Ananias departed and entered the house And after laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road when you were coming, has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. He took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were in Damascus, and immediately, everybody say immediately, he began to proclaim that Jesus in the synagogue Now, I want us to kind of break this down. I know I just gave you a bunch of scripture, but I want us to look at this because this is really an incredible story of obedience. When we really stop and look at how many of you think you would be afraid at so many points in this story, I would be afraid if I'm, if I'm going anywhere and a bright light showed up and all of a sudden I couldn't see, I would be freaked out. Just me. I would be freaked out if God told me, Hey, go talk to this person who's killing Christians. I would be terrified. If I was the one persecuting Christians and then had an experience, and now I had to go to the very same people that I had tried to kill for help, I would be terrified. I'm blind. I'm helpless. They can do anything they want. I've been trying to kill them. Not only that, they helped him. Great. Now you want me to go preach about the very thing I've tried to kill people for? Sound like anybody's life. Hopefully you didn't kill that many people. But just this struggle of, God, do I do this? What about what if they respond this way? What if this doesn't work? What if this doesn't happen? Maybe st- makes me think of a story. You guys okay if I tell you a story for a second? My youngest son, Rowan, just got done playing baseball. I got any baseball fans in the room? Like four. Awesome. This will go over well. Uh, <laughs> it's okay, because four-year-old baseball is nothing like Major League Baseball. Okay. If you ever go to a game, don't expect it to be. It won't. All right. We get there and he's all excited. He's going to play baseball. And then it's like, all right, first practice, first game. And he's like, "Uh uh-uh. He was terrified. He didn't want to play. He's like, no, I'm not. uh Uh-uh. What do I do with what? Like, it's just like in the backyard. He's like, no. So I talk him into it and I had to teach him the basics, right? Had to teach him how to play the little part of how to play. Like you get up and they put the ball on the tee. It's not like in the backyard, you throw it up and try to hit it. No, it's on the tee. So we'd put him, like, okay, hit this, and he'd get the bat, and he'd like, can't do that. <laughs> all right, here, you gotta put your feet, you gotta get your elbow up, and we had to teach him the basics of how to play. We'd get to the game, and again, he was so excited to play baseball, till he gets to the game, it's like, what, uh, Nope. <laughs> like, no, remember all the stuff we practiced, like, it's gonna be okay. We'd get him out on the field, and here's the thing I realized, watching my son learn to play baseball, I had to teach him every step of the way. Now, on the downside, I'm no pro baseball player. I'm not even like a high school baseball player. I'm just being honest. But I could teach him what I knew. And here's the thing, what I knew was more than what he knew. So that was helpful, right? And we get there, and we go, and we're like, okay, we're going to go play catch in the front yard. Let's be honest, dads, how many dads you get the Hallmark version of playing catch with your kids, right? It's like, you're in the front yard and you throw them the ball and they catch it and they throw it back like they do in a Hallmark movie, right? But in real life, you know, mom drives by, it's like, hey, real life, it's like, okay, no, closer, open the glove, it's okay. All right, just throw it to me. Keep it in our yard, okay? You go get it, and it's like, you got to watch where you're throwing the ball because he's like, dad, Like, no, watch where you're throwing, and you run all over the place, and finally, it's like, okay, here's the ball. Now, watch where you're throwing it. Like, got to throw it a little bit harder than that, right? And It's just coach after coach after coach, and you go on, and he loved baseball, and he did great at it for a four-year-old. You know, first game, he's excited, hits it, crowd goes wild. He's running, and I'm sure in his head, it's like, I just won the World Series. I'm running, crowds screaming. In all reality, we're like, first base is that way. And he's, finally we get his attention. He goes to the right place. You know, it's T-ball. And we get him there. I realized something. We're talking to him after. It's like, hey, do you want to play again? Because there's this other league you can go. He's like, no, I want to play something else. I'm like, okay, well, if you want to get good, you've got to keep at it. If you want to get good, you've got to keep at it. No, I want to try something else. Okay. You finish the year. You finish your season. Let's move on. See, how many of you guys realize it's a lot easier to play t-ball than it is pros? Why? Because the base, it's like 20 feet. No, it's not. Anybody know how, how big home plate is? Here, help me out. Can, some of you guys have no idea. Let me help you out real quick. Home plate, thank you. Home plate, this big. Anybody have any idea how big this is? 17 inches, 17 inches wide. 17 inches wide for home, and it's the same if you're in t-ball, if you're in high school, if you're in college, or if you're in the pros. It's the same size. They can't pitch the same, but the target's the same. See, so here's the thing I want you to understand. When we start talking about obedience, when we start talking about following God's plan for your life, it's not about being perfect, it's about being consistent. Because this is the thing, I want you to look at a few things when we talk about this story. Because Saul is on his way to Damascus, and God shows up and he has an encounter. And this encounter unlocks something about Saul. All of a sudden, what he didn't believe, he now believed. How many of you guys realize an encounter with Jesus is necessary to have a point of reference for where you're going. If you've never encountered Jesus, if you've never had a moment where you met Jesus face-to-face, you never have a moment to go back to. You can't just show up and say, well, I think I'm going to do this church thing, and you've never met God. You don't have a point of reference to go back. Everything's scary. But if you've got an encounter, you've got a place that you can always come back to home plate. You've got a place you can always come back to, and I can sit here, and I had this experience, and I know who God is. But... Be careful. Because we were not created to live experience to experience. We were created to live day to day. That's why the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Not his mercies are new every Sunday. Not his mercies are new every conference. Not his mercies are new every Bible study. His mercies are new every morning. Because that relationship was intended to be continual. It was was intended to be something you practice. That you participate in. That you give yourself to. An encounter is simply to initiate relationship and conversation see we're talking about this guy named Saul who had an encounter anybody know who Saul is later Saul becomes Paul but something really important most of the time we think this is the moment Saul became Paul Acts 9 is where Saul encountered Jesus Acts 13 is where Saul becomes Paul it wasn't the encounter that changed who he was. It was his obedience to the voice of God in his life that transformed everything about who he was, where people no longer even knew him by the same name. See, this is the thing, we look at this and we've gotta have an encounter to kickstart a relationship, but if we never start the relationship, we miss the point. And we live so much trying to go to encounter, to encounter, to encounter, that we miss the relationship that God's trying to bring into our lives. But that only happens when we're obedient see here's the thing when you look at verse 8 it says he got up from the ground and he could see his eyes were open but he was blind see the beauty of an encounter is an encounter with Jesus opens your eyes to the fact there's something bigger than you but it's not till you start to obey him that you realize what your part is in it Because see Saul met Jesus on the road but what did he tell him he said You'll find out what to do when you go to Damascus. When you meet with Ananias. When you go to the person who's going to lay hands on you, who's going to pray for you, who's going to heal you. Through my power, that's where transformation is going to happen. So Saul had a choice to make. He's laying in the road blind. Does he go back to what he knows? Does he go back where he's safe? Or is he obedient to the voice of God and go to the very people who he's persecuting? I don't know about you but I would be terrified to go to the people I'm persecuting but a light just came out of nowhere and now I'm blind and it's talking to me I'm going I don't know what else I'm gonna lose if I don't just say so he goes and he goes to Damascus and Ananias shows up and when Ananias begins to pray that's when he begins to see see this is the thing about that story When Rowan was learning to play baseball, he threw every direction until he learned to put his eye where he wanted the ball to go. It wasn't until Saul was obedient that he was able to see. It wasn't until Saul put his faith into action that he was able to see guys we've got to live with vision we've got to be people of vision but you don't get vision from an encounter you get vision from obedience it's vision comes from the days the nights the spending time in the word of god of god who do you want me to be god what do you want to develop in my life and it doesn't come easy guys vision's not easy but it's necessary you'll never hit your target if you don't look where you're throwing the ball there's so many of us that walk through life and we're trying to figure it out on our own and we're trying to do it our own way. And God, I'm going to try this. Nope, that didn't work. God, I'm going to try this. Nope, that didn't work. You've got no vision. What's God called you to? Where's he asked you to be planted, invested? That's right. You've got to have vision in your life to know who God's called you to be. See, it didn't matter how hard Rowan could throw the ball. It didn't matter how far he could throw the ball if he wasn't throwing it at the right target doesn't matter how good you are in life. It doesn't matter how successful you are monetarily. How fulfilled are you in your purpose that God created you for? See, we make the mistake of measuring our success by how much money we make or how much achievements we get instead of how much fulfillment we get. And when you're successed, is measured by your achievement instead of your fulfillment you can get in a very dangerous place because you can operate in your gift but never be in your anointing there's a lot of millionaires in this world and they are in their gifting but their giftings in the wrong place and they're not operating in their anointing and they're frustrated and they're aggravated and they're angry but man they're successful But they're not where they're called to be. They weren't obedient to the voice of God. They never got a vision, a direction of where to go. That obedience in our life is so key. I love it. The Bible says the word of God is a lamp into our feet, not a spotlight. How many planners do I got in the room? None. Liars in the room. Okay, that's what I thought. All right, we got planners. Some of you guys like to plan. You want to know your life laid out. You want to see where things are going, right? You are planners. I've got a 5, 10, 15-year, I've got a 38-year plan. I don't, but some people do, all right? Here's the thing. God can give you vision, but you don't know exactly where you're going to end up because I promise you where my life is now, I would have never guessed 10 years ago. Anybody else in the room? But I had a plan. But his word is a lamp unto your feet. A lamp only allows you to see a few steps. Because if it highlighted where you were going to end up, you would try to create your own path. The Word of God is a lamp unto our feet. It's what guides us. It's our obedience to the voice of God that gets us where he's called us to go. It's not our ability to plan out how God should work. It's our obedience to the voice of God. It says he's a still small voice telling you to turn to the right or the left. I don't know about you, but if somebody's telling me to turn right or left, that means I'm there. Good news, he's speaking to you in your situation. That's what that means. Some of you guys are like, I don't hear God's voice. He's speaking to you in your situation. Well, I don't hear him telling me which way to go. Maybe you don't need to be moving right now. But but God, I mean, this is a great opportunity, but is it a God opportunity? But I can make a lot of money here, but is it where he wants to plant you? I'm a get touchy here for a minute. But this person gives me a lot of attention at work over here. But is it the person you're married to? We've got to be aware of what's going on in our life. It's the still small voice that tells you to turn to the right or the left. It's when, hey, I always go to this break room because I know this person's going to be there. Maybe you take your break at a different time today. But I'm not doing anything wrong. No, but maybe the voice of God is trying to help you be obedient so that you don't get yourself in a spot you never thought you'd be. See, we've got to be aware of the voice of God in our life because it's not about the end goal. It's about the right now. It's about where he wants to take you. It's about what he wants to do in your life. Most of Jesus' ministry happened in the interruption. It wasn't about the city he was heading to. It was about the people who needed him in his immediate surroundings. How many of you want God to use you in this world? Then we better have our ears open. and We better have vision to where he's called us to go. Because if we're not looking around, then we're missing the opportunities that he's putting in our, in our way because we're trying to get somewhere that was never where he called us to go. So he took him, and Ananias prayed over him. And this is the thing that I really love about this story. It says, Brother Saul, the... The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road when you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. Vision isn't all you need to get where God's called you to go. You've got to have the presence of God to take you there. See, the encounter that I talked about earlier is so important because this is the place where you've got vision, you've got directions. like, okay, God, I'm going to get there. And this is the point where it gets scary. This is the point of, well, what about, what are people gonna think? What if? I mean, people know me, right? Anybody ever had an encounter with God and it changed something in you and then you had to go back to your work and like, but they know the kind of jokes I tell. Or your family, they know the type of person that I am. They know what I've walked through. How am I supposed to face them? You know what I love about this story? Saul didn't have an encounter and then go home where he was safe and protected. Saul had an encounter and then he had to go right to the people that he had persecuted. What was Ananias' response when he said, go find this dude named Saul? I heard of him. Just because people have heard of you doesn't mean they know you. And just because they knew who you were doesn't mean they know who you are. And there is something that God's establishing in you that changes your vision when you've had an encounter. And we've got to realize we are not limited by our past, but our past is the very thing God will use to promote you to your future. And it's the vision of God in our life, coupled with the anointing of God that we begin to work in. It's that is the very thing that begins to unlock the very places that God's called you to go. Because it's terrifying sometimes to step out and take a leap. It is. Let's be honest. says, Saul was with them for days, but he immediately began preaching the gospel. Immediately. Hold on. You mean he didn't, like, spend months learning the ways of the Christians that he was persecuting? No, immediately he began preaching that Jesus was the Christ. Immediately. But I'm not qualified. Immediately he began preaching that Jesus was the Christ. See, the thing you've got to catch here, what was it that he preached? That Jesus was the Christ, that Jesus was the Son of God. That was the very thing he persecuted. You don't have to have all the biblical answers, but you better have an experience that you can point to. Because when he stepped out, it wasn't a matter of if he was afraid of what the people would think or if the people would listen to him. It was a matter of... Of the excitement of what he had experienced, what he thought was wrong was now right in his eyes. And he had to tell everyone the truth that he saw. Do you you see this? It was the truth that conquered fear. It was the truth that allowed him to be obedient to the very thing that God called him to do. And it was his excitement from an encounter that released him into that place. See, so often... We get so tangled up in all of these things and we miss the mark because we're looking every different direction. We, don't, we haven't put in the practice. We haven't put in the time. Hear me. The more you practice, the better you get. But you've got to start practicing somewhere. See, my son can't go play in the pros. You know why? He can't even pitch from home plate to the pitcher's mound. Can't. Can't even make it halfway. But he'll never make that distance if he doesn't start throwing the ball somewhere. It's practice that gets in there. It's that continual place of coming back to the voice of God in our life that makes us confident in what he's speaking to us. It's coming back day in and day out. It's the fact that the target is 17 inches, whether you're starting off or whether you're a pro. Let me help you out really quick. I know there were no, like, two baseball fans in here, but... The Astros won the World Series. 2017 World Series, the Astros won. That means they're the best of the best, right? I mean, they won the World Series. They can coach my t-ball player. They'll do better than me, right? I can coach my t-ball player because I knew more than he knew. I may not know as much as the pros, but I know more than he did. Hear me, you don't have to know everything in the Bible to be qualified to speak on your experience. But there are some people who are just far more versed in the Bible than I am. Awesome! Get underneath them. Find out what they have to say. Don't use that as an excuse that you can't be used by God. Get underneath them and get a mentor who's speaking into your life to help you be better. See, this is the thing. The Astros may have won the World Series, but... Their season and 101 wins. That's impressive. How many of you guys said 101 wins? That's good. The best in the league. They had 61 losses. The best. They had 61 losses. During the World Series, they struck out 54 times. The best. Struck out 54 times. Their pitchers threw 21 walks. They, 21 people went up to bat and the pitcher just let them take a base. 21 times. Don't tell me because you missed the mark, you're not qualified to keep going. The best in the league failed. They lost a lot of games. In the game that mattered, they walked. 21 people stop measuring yourself by one failure and one success i'm just saying think about it what if what if baseball was played one strikeout you're off the team right one missed ball you're gone there would be no baseball (laughs) no one could play but that's the same ridiculous standard we try to hold ourselves to as Christians. One failure, I'm gone. I missed the mark one time. God can never use me. I mean, I didn't listen. I didn't obey. He told me to do this, and I went here. I'm done. You kidding me? Do it right next time. Pick up another ball. Throw another pitch. Get back in the game. Do you hear what I'm saying? What's that look like in our real life? This is what it looks like. Man, I miss God in this situation. You know what? God, help me to hear your voice better. God, give me the confidence to respond when I hear your voice. How about this one? God, help me with my insecurity so it's less about me and more about you. Let's get our prayers right. Let's stop all this. God, you need to fix their problems. No, no, no. You need to be... Men and women of conviction who live out the truth of God's word every day in your life. But I failed, so get up. But what? sometimes I don't do it right, so what? Though a righteous man falls, he gets back up. It doesn't say anywhere that a righteous man becomes unrighteous. It says that a righteous man gets back up. What is the mark of a righteous man? It's not that he never fails. It's that he always gets up. Stop limiting yourself by your failures and start realizing that your success is built over time. No one in the major leagues started off being able to play in the major leagues. I mean, I want to pray for people, but I mean, Sister Russell's been praying longer than I've been alive. Then you'll never catch up. Get over it. Just saying. You don't even got enough to work with. Quit comparing. You look at other people's life, but their family is so put together. First off, you're judging from the outside. Second of all, that's not your family. we've got to get our perspective right. We've got to get our head in what God has called us to do and who he's called us to be. And we don't like the word obedience, but let me help you with something. The reason obedience is important is God set you up where you can't fail if you simply obey. It's that simple. If you simply obey the guidelines that God gave you, you'll have encounter after encounter. Vision after vision, power after power, and platform after platform. Not because you're perfect, because you're obedient. Jesus' encounter with Saul didn't change everything about Saul's life. It didn't take away all the things that Saul had done wrong. It simply helped him see what he needed to do to be obedient to the voice of God in his life. He would go on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. I don't know about you, but the very guy who killed Christians, that's who we use now as our guidebook. Think about that. Think about that for just a moment. Well, but that wasn't Saul. That was Paul. Now, nah. that's the same person. The difference is you're looking at who he is compared to who he was. And who he is didn't happen from an encounter who he is happened obedience after obedience after obedience who you're gonna be when God's finished with you looks nothing like you are now but who you are now looks nothing like you were before God started with you but life's so hard but how do I figure this out how do I work this out how do I get there Practice. It's that simple. It's practice. Stop disqualifying yourself. Stop thinking you can't do anything. God's already equipped you. He's already given you everything you need to be who he's called you to be. C.S. Lewis said it this way, and I love this quote. Hardship often prepares ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. See. I had a coach and most of you guys have heard this phrase before practice makes perfect, right? Let me help you with something practice doesn't make perfect practice makes permanent perfect practice makes perfect Be careful what you practice Be careful what you continue because whatever you continue you will be better at practice makes permanent So if you practice bad habits, guess what? You have really good bad habits Perfect practice makes perfect. I remember this coach. It used to make me so mad. We would have to shoot free throws, and he would line the entire team up on the baseline, and you had to go shoot two free throws because free throws won games. That's what he said. And you'd shoot, and if you missed, the entire team would run a suicide, the whole team. We are real good at free throws. You know what he would make us do? We weren't practicing free throws and running. We'd have to stand under the goal and hold the ball with one hand and shoot like that. Why? So that our arm wasn't out here. So that he would teach us the right way to hold our arm to get the right shot. You know what he was doing? Preparing us for the free throws that he was going to make us do later. I'm just telling you. Some of the very things that you're walking through right now in your life that you think, God, I can't overcome these. I can't take these on. They're too big for me. They're not too big for you. They're the very thing that's preparing you for what you're about to face. Now, that can be a terrifying thought because sometimes what we're in right now feels like more than we can handle. I'm going to let you in on a secret. You guys ready? It is. That's why you were never created to handle it alone. That's why you were never created to walk out the issues of life in your own strength. You need His. And it's his strength that makes you capable. It's his strength that makes it possible to go from someone who doesn't know anything about Jesus to a person that people look to in every situation. To be a pillar in the church, to be a pillar in your community. Guess what? Even pillars fall they get back up. So I don't care where you're at in that journey. I don't care if maybe you're in this room and you've never even met Jesus, but this sounds pretty interesting because you don't like baseball, but hey, the story's cool. Or maybe you're in here and you're like, I've been in church my entire life, but I've been trying to do it my own way. And I've been pitching a ball every direction that I can find, but I've never been able to put my eye on the exact place that I need to land the ball. Maybe you're in here and you're like, you know, the truth of it is, I've been doing this for a long time and I've been doing it well. Good. Stay at it. Because see, here's something I found really interesting. doesn't matter how good you are at something for a moment, because the moment you stop, your ability starts to decline. Man, I can hear God's voice so well. Good, keep talking to it. Or you'll find yourself six months from now saying, God, where's your voice? It's about consistency. It's about being persistent. And it all comes back to that one word, obedience. It's the, our ability to be obedient to the voice of God in our life that unlocks every potential that we have. Everything that he's created us to be. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in here today and you say, you know, the truth of it is I've never responded to the voice of God in my life, and I need to. I want Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you.